everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Welcome to another edition of the AA Team. Ken Fang along with Stephen Nagishi. We're here on the Barroom Network once again to discuss issues that affect the Asian uh, American Pacific Islander community and, and sports. And we have a lot of things to talk about today, Stephen. Seems like we're never uh, on a shortage of topics to discuss today. Absolutely, Ken. Uh, I've been uh, on the road for quite a while for business and personal reasons and uh, been really, really uh, working, uh, trying to get the uh, the best guests that, that we can come on. And uh, thankfully, we've been uh, very, very blessed in that area uh, for uh, people uh, interested in uh, our show and uh, wanting to come to talk about the uh, issues that pertain to our community. Yes. And uh, normally we have the first segment we'll discuss uh, issues that uh, pertain to the AAPI community. But uh, instead, we're going to get to – we're going to change the format a little bit tonight. We're going to have uh, a couple of guests first. Then we'll go into the news, and then we'll go into our usual NFL discussion. Uh, Stephen, why don't we bring our first guest in? So uh, last – in our last show, I should say, uh, we played a clip of uh, Kai Wu, a, an MMA fighter, uh, encountering a, a very unruly situation uh, in uh, at a restaurant in California where uh, he had to step in and defuse a what could have been a very, very uh, terrible situation. Uh, we played a clip on that one. And uh, although if you have that video, if you don't mind, uh, would you mind playing that clip? Don't be racist too, though. At the same time, no, it's, it's a different thing. 
don't sell me something we don't have when they do. What, what, what did you, like, did you buy that you did? I don't want to argue, but it, 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 it works both ways. It works both ways. Like, you want to say one way, it's going to work. What, what's the other way? What's the other way? Then the other way is we get served and we have a happy ending. We can't serve you what you want because we don't have. They don't sell sushi. Hey, you know what? Not what I was told. Sushi bar down there. It's closed now. Not what I was told. Who, who told you that? Just check on your phone. They don't have sushi here. And then if the man's talking to you, he has that, his mask on. Exactly you can't understand him. Don't tell him that he's Asian. And then he can't under, you can't understand what he's saying because he doesn't speak English. He speaks perfect English. I speak them just fine. If there's an issue, it's I, I would strongly disagree that you uh, speak perfect English. And I would strongly disagree that you have sushi. That's fine if you don't think I can speak English. Step outside, though. I should join the food. And as you could see there, Kai was doing his best to defuse what could have escalated, and he did it in a very peaceful manner, and uh, uh, much praise to him to doing that. And, uh, Stephen, um, we did discuss it in, in our show two weeks ago, and uh, we're very happy that we have Kai Wu with us today. Hi, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, I know uh, we reached out to you uh well, at least I did, and uh, we're very, very happy that uh, you and your uh, management team uh, agreed to come on our show tonight. Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys for sharing the video and uh, covering that whole situation. You know, I really appreciate uh, you, Stephen, for reaching out to on Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, I apologize for the, the delay in replies. As you can tell, I've been getting swamped with messages and whatnot, but I do appreciate you guys for having me on. So... Uh, give us a backstory on uh, how it happened. Uh, the, the, obviously, the gentleman who was blurred was the uh, uh, the, the man who was uh, causing a ruckus, uh, yeah. wanting to have sushi at a restaurant that obviously that doesn't serve. But yeah. was, was a guy uh, drunk, intoxicated, or what? What did he look like? I think what happened was he definitely wasn't homeless. He was dressed. He was too well dressed, you know, like the the button up. He had car keys. It looked like on him. He had a cell phone, so it definitely was dressed appropriately. It didn't look like he was homeless, and that's an assumption. But you know, I, I, that's what I think. And then it all started like when he came into the restaurant. We were sitting at the very front table. Me and a group of my friends. A Halloween night, we decided to get some boba, and he was. He came in. He said, "Someone took my food." Um, and he just kind of started saying random stuff, like someone took my food. He was pointing outside. I was actually, you know, I heard that and I was like, hey, do I need to, you know, go check on the situation? Like, do I need to take a look at what's going on and maybe help the guy out? And then he started changing it into something else entirely. He started saying, um, you guys sell sushi. I want some sushi. And it went on for about two, three minutes before I started recording. And I recorded, I gave my phone to my friend who was sitting close to them. I asked him to record just because of any, you know, you can never be too careful, right? I don't think it was outrageous of me to start recording a no. situation like that. So I started recording and then I stepped in when I felt the situation getting a little bit more tense and I was reading the room. I could tell a lot of uh, the teenagers that were there and a lot of the older folks, um, the regular customers, you know, like the older grandma, grandpas that were just enjoying their hot pot. I could tell they're a little bit scared, you know, and that same night, I'm sure you guys saw the news, but I was just on my phone when I was at the restaurant. I was just reading about how that one man in Japan was stabbing, you know, several people on the on the on the uh, train, 
the you know the underground train or whatever and when i saw that i was like man there's all this you know asian hate crime going on i'm, I'm not trying to you know race use the race the issue too much because a lot of crimes happening to all sorts of races but i was just on edge i know that thing happened in japan but this guy's coming in here you know causing a ruckus and then before the video started recording he actually said you know you're being asian i can't understand what you're saying you, you I, can i talk to the lady who can i talk to your waitress over there that could speak english and keep in mind there's two waiters one's a female teenager the other one's a male and he specifically went out of his way to target the female one, you know, so I could read that maybe it was a coincidence. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking the worst of it, but I'm like, she clearly did not seem comfortable with it. That's why the owner stepped in to the front of the restaurant to prevent him from intercepting and talking to her. So that's when the video started rolling and you could hear kind of what he said before that. He made a few comments. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember him targeting specifically the lady kept asking for the, the female waiter, but she was, she's got to be 17 18 you know it's like uh, why are you going for her clearly you're going after the, the easier targets right. and then that's when i decided to step in i decided to step in too because he was fidgety he, he sounded drunk yes but if you saw him he was not you know all over the place he was laser focused his eyes were bloodshot red and he was just really amped up Probably when he high out. or something maybe possibly yeah. and i and i and again that there was uh when i was younger in that that part of town, there was a bath salt case when I was really young, mm. probably when I was still in high school. So I was almost 10 plus years ago, you know? So that's when I was like, yeah, I want to step in and get as closest to the guy as possible because if he did have any types of weapons or anything, I don't know if anyone else in the room is capable of, of, of handling such a situation. I'd rather get in the middle of it before it happens, you know? So that's why I got so close to him. You can see me keep my hands out in front of him just to, hey like i'm over here just trying to talk to you you know i'm not like you know my hands aren't like you know like ready to to punch him or something so i was like very approached him very cautiously i could see him pulling up his pants i was i was ready at any moment but i at the same time if i approached him with the, the thought of him already being aggressive and just already like hey you know like that would have caused more issue you know as right. you could see he he kind of took a step back and he was like well hold on you know and i let him speak his nonsense because i wanted to just kind of get him to get a little flustered and just say some nonsense stuff because even he can't keep track of what he's saying. I'd rather him do that and slowly, you know, calm him down and take him outside as opposed to, you know, a lot of people were like, Hey, you should have just knocked him out. But the thing is, who's to say I don't punch him and something happens and he knocks over some tables and this restaurant's a hot pot restaurant, Boba hot pot. Right. And if he would have knocked over one of the hot pots or pushed the owner into another table, the, the hot pot would have spilled because it's a self-serve hot pot. So there's fire on the bottom right. and it's a propane can, you know, so it's like you never know what could go wrong. There's a bunch of kids that I saw, like teenagers, it was Halloween night, but they're just trying to have fun. I could tell that they were getting a little bit anxious. They're getting a little bit nervous. They're looking back. There's a few of them that sat in front of me where the commotion was taking place. It was behind me. Even they were a little bit like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. And I could see it. The, the grandma and grandpas were really you know, nervous. So that's when I decided, I was like, look, I have to take this outside and I need this guy to calm down. But I don't think, um, I think people need to realize too, like, I say this with very, I'm very cautious when I say this, but it's like, you don't know the man. You don't know if he's going through a divorce. You don't know what, like what's going on. So I'd rather try to understand the situation better than get trigger happy, jump the gun. Cause if we're going to be honest, I could have easily went up there, knocked him out and then mm -hmm. just call the cops and go like, Hey, 
problem solved. But then is that really a problem solved? You know, that's just, that's a temporary fix. Yeah, I knock him out, but who's to say he doesn't wake up and do that again later and become more violent. And you just totally, you know, ruin this guy's livelihood over a dumb mistake. And again, I always tell you, I'm like, look, I'm no one to judge him. I've made mistakes. You know, I'm not a perfect man. So the best that I can do is just make sure everyone gets home that night. What happens the day after tomorrow? I don't know. That that was it at that current moment. That's what I was kind of thinking. And um, forget my dog Samson. That's he's in the background. But um, guy, you 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 approached it with empathy. You you approached it with a situation where, uh, as you said, you could have escalated it. You could have easily knocked him out, but you chose words, and then you also chose a, a chance to calm him down. Um, mm-hmm having worked in retail and still working in retail on my other job, uh, the last thing you want to do is to get a customer angry and have it escalate. And what you did was just something, again, you showed a lot of empathy and uh, managed to de-escalate and managed to get him to walk outside where we could have become a much worse situation. Yeah, I I definitely tried Um, above all else too. I think it, it was, it was really rough to, to see the kind of whole situation. Like, I'm like, man, I'm worried because tensions are high right now, you know, obviously with the, in, within the Asian community and all this stuff. And the news definitely isn't something I try to watch as much because I've t- I tend to find that there's a lot of um, biasness, you know, with the headlines, they're just trying to create some drama. So, you know, when I saw the guy, I'm like, look, he's clearly disoriented, but he's on drugs. When we went outside too, he did, uh, Right when we went outside, the reason why the, the video didn't start rolling and the video ended right away was because he pulled up his pants when we went outside and it looked like he was going to get in a fight with me. So my friend wanted to make sure he doesn't try to, you know, try something crazy. So he stopped the camera really quick to run outside. When we went outside, he said some, you know, racial slurs and whatnot. But I just I just tried to hear him out. I'm like, here's what people have to understand, too. A lot of people. Uh, when they ha- they're into this kind of situation, you say something belittling to to the individual. Like, let's say, you know, I'm I'm a random person in the street, and someone says something racist to me. The only reason why it affects me is because I feel like I'm triggered by that emotional response, which is very logical, right? But the thing is, it's like I'm so beyond what this man has to say. Like his words has no what he has to say about me, his opinions, what he has to say. I will not lose sleep over it. Therefore, I don't care what he has to say. Even if he's racist towards the Asian community, I don't care. This man can apologize or do whatever he wants, but that's not going to change anything. I think the, the biggest takeaway here, which I, I've been having some rebuttals online with people, uh, you know, open discussions. A lot of people are like, man, you should have knocked him out. That would have taught him a lesson. But I, I frankly, I disagree. That would have done nothing. That would have either made him worse, come back with either more violent or he could lose his job, his kids, anything, all the above, you know, if he goes home, divorce, whatever, you know? So I think the best way to handle it was at the time, it's just, he gets to go home, rethink his actions. You know what? If he wants to do it again, that's fine. But at least the moral of the story, the video, what the message got out. And I do appreciate you guys are sharing was it's just like, just speak up. I didn't have, I didn't use any martial arts. I spoke up and deescalated the situation. Granted. Yes, I am capable of handling the situations because growing up in America, you know, I was dealt with a lot of uh, racism, bullied, but at the same time, I think people need to realize too, like you don't have to fight. If, if there is three or four people, men or women that stood up at that same uh, instance or, or scenario, maybe who's to say that the guy just doesn't get overwhelmed and leaves kind of like that video, you know, obviously there's a violent, you know, crimes and whatnot, but Definitely just recording a phone and screaming and doing nothing doesn't help, you know, and I, and I think 
strength in numbers. That's def definitely what I think. And, and I'm glad uh, I was able to kind of do that and prove to everyone, like, you don't have to fight. You don't have to fight someone just to speak up. You know what I'm saying? Kai, you did post that up on uh, YouTube. Um, and it's been shared quite a bit on social media. Overall, the, the what has been the uh, the reaction to you and some of the feedback you've received on the video? Um, 90% of it was positive. And, and I am, by the way, I did not want to share the video. I didn't want to share the video because my mom has always told me it's like, if, if it's outside your door, if it's, if it's outside your doors, you know, don't be concerned with it and whatnot. And she's always been fairly like, don't be, uh, just basically don't be nosy, you know, mind your business. Uh, Kai, the as, as a Taiwanese also, that sounds a lot like yeah. my mom too. <laughs> yes, yeah. So it sounds exactly. like more of a lot of uh, Asian parents and grandparents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and I agree they had to do that to survive till today, you know, to, to keep right. their heads down, keep a low profile. And I get it, 100% get it. But at the same time, my mom did say, you know, like if you have the ability to do something, do it. She just wanted to make sure that I was capable of handling myself, uh, taking care of myself and others. Um, before I do anything stupid. And the reason I share this video is because a lot of close friends of mine, I told they're they're either that night or when I came home, I talked to them. Um, person very close to me, um, she's a social worker. And she was like, hey, you know what? You should post this. And I'm like, look, I don't want to be that guy to post this and give myself a clap on the back, you know? And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And she was like, hey, you should post this because one, the community is going through a lot. And two, this is, a, this is honestly not a video when you watch it it makes you mad because the situation de-escalated at the end it was a good story and you should probably give people a little bit of hope like that i'm like look i'm all for representing the asian community you know i try to i'm not one of those people that complains at at the um you know uh, community center and whatnot don't do anything about it. i try to do whatever i say i try to back that up that's why i said growing up there was no asian athletes that's why i became a pro athlete myself you know so i try to do practice what i preach and I was like, okay, I'll post the video, but I try, I want to make sure the message is across, um, you know, like the message I had. And when I posted, I can't believe the amount of people that reached out. And I was like, man, like it, it honestly makes me a little bit sad because I'm like the community, it's really going through it. That video, in my opinion, was not that serious because I've handled situations way worse. I've gotten in quite a few altercations in my time, especially in San Francisco. Um, and this one was by far the probably the easiest to deal with. But I was I was just shocked at the amount of message that people were telling me, like the, the instances that, that go unreported, unrecorded, no help. So it makes me feel really sad. But at the same time, it's so nice to hear people go like, you know what, watching that video inspired me or, you know, like, I can't believe some people were even saying like the world's better of a, the world's a better place with you in it. And I'm like, I, I just drink boba on my free time. I mind my own business. And people are saying that about this whole situation. So it made me really, you know, like I was like honored and I was really appreciative for all the messages. And I'm just at the end of the day, now I'm glad I shared the video. So thanks to my, my friends and family that were really supportive, you know? Mm -hmm. And the fact that it has, it, it went viral just a bit also too, um, helps that. And also it's being spread all quite a bit. So, and, uh, um, I'm just happy Kai that, uh, you know, you are a professional athlete and we all talk about professional athletes having a platform, but this is one where it, it, it turned out to be quite positive and we appreciate that. Yeah. I was shocked. I was shocked to see the the amount of shares and like I was, I was sleeping and then my phone started blowing up and I was like, uh Oh, 
is this the cops calling me or is this I, there's there's two things it's either the cops are calling me or my mom's calling me and i don't know which one's worse i think my mom calling me is worse because i avoided beating that guy up too because i'm like if i beat this guy up and i get arrested my mom is gonna kill me. like i see i'm more afraid of my mom than anything so i was just like okay my mom called me and she's like hey people in taiwan are sharing this they said isn't this your son and then my sister in hawaii was like hey people are messaging sending me this these uh like you know it was on Yahoo. It was in the celebrity category, and I thought I was, it was hilarious because I'm, I'm, you know, I don't consider myself a, a celebrity or anything. So then I was like, "Wow, this is really making its rounds." And then the messages kept coming in. Obviously, you have one or two of those. Um, there's, there's, there's those videos where it, it was from uh, a person who was like, "I want to address this too." By the way, um, someone said if it was white you uh because he was white you didn't you blurred him but if he was black or mexican or any other race you would not have blurred him you would have you know throw him out there and i just want to say someone tried to change my words on twitter too i have to find the tweet and they might have deleted it because they got a lot of people that started attacking them but i said i don't care about race and and obviously i mean that in the sense that i don't care what race he was right someone managed to spin that and say oh look kai doesn't care about race and they used it in a negative way. And I just couldn't believe this is Twitter, obviously, the, the most crazy of places, right? But someone called me like an Asian coward or, or for de-escalating the situation and whatnot. And, and I just want to say to people, like, when situations like this happen, you're going to get the crazies. You know, like, don't, uh, I, I would not be where I am today if I listened to a lot of these comments or let it get to me. In this industry, the, the fighting industry, um, just even in general, just being like a like a public figure because you're an athlete and whatnot, you're going to get hate. You're going to get mm -hmm. hate. You have to be bulletproof mentally. So, you know, I definitely think you got to be all there in order for you to kind of be okay with it. But at the same time, I just want to address that. I, I don't care what race he was, you know, to, to put it out there. I really don't. He could have been um, any other race and I would have handled it the exact same way. Try to be as empathetic as possible. You know, it doesn't matter if he was black or Mexican or whatever the demographic mm -hmm. was in that area. Yeah. I just think it's ridiculous that people threw that that tagline out there. You know, it's like, oh, he doesn't care what race or, oh, it's because he's white. He's trying to appease the master. I don't even know what that means, to be honest with you. You know, um, uh, um, the goal is just to make sure everyone goes home happy, not as safe, you know, safe and, 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 and okay, not focus on the race. So for a lot of those people out there that are trying to focus on the race, I ask them to really just be open-minded about this take a look at it, the scenario again and just really like you know chew it down to the bone and figure out why i did what i did it has nothing to do with race and i'm the one that blurred the video no one else did you know it's not the right. media that blurred it i blurred it so mm -hmm. they don't a lot of people are attacking the media sites they're like next shark you guys or you know jackfruit agents ever that you guys blurred the video show the the perpetrator i'm like no guys i blurred it i blurred it for a reason you know and i just want to share that and in a sense it protects him down the road but sure. also he knows who he is he knows what yeah. he did and mm -hmm. uh, he has something to think about uh, and and he'll forever right. know that that's that's out there it's always going to be out there there's there's no right. going back hands down hands down it's out there and then not only that too but like the the the, the punishment needs to fit the crime the man came in said a few racial slurs and wanted sushi and he's on some sort of drugs or whatnot. I don't think me potentially giving him a concussion or brain trauma over that whole interaction is worth it. And what everyone's doing is they're using pent up anger to try to take it out on one man. That's unfair. That is extremely unfair. And I understand we have to fight back and stuff. But the thing is, people, I did. I did fight back. 
Mm-hmm. I did fight back, just not the way you guys wanted it to, you know, just not the way you guys wanted, like the physicality and stuff. But that's the problem. We're trying to fight this violence with more violence. You know what's going to happen is, is, is uh, you knock him out, he brings a gun next time or a knife. We start, you know, it just becomes a bloodbath. That's, there's no point in that. You know what happened after that situation? I can almost guarantee it is after I talked to him and said all that, he went home, probably rethought about it, sobered up. And saw the video potentially and just goes, oh, sh-. if he lives here, you know, he's like, oh, shoot, man, this is embarrassing. You know, I probably got to be a little he's 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 rethinking his actions. Now. I can guarantee you 100 percent, especially after finding out that I was an MMA fighter. So he will forever question, oh, shoot, who am I talking to this time? If I'm going into this restaurant, how do I not know this guy doesn't know something or how do I not know this guy isn't potentially dangerous? So it instills fear into them. You know, that's what I think is more important that rather than just knock him out you know mm-hmm. right. and if he hasn't learned his lessons next time wherever he goes that's on him that's all yeah. on 100 no one else but him it's on him and hopefully the the message that got across a lot of people saw it and they're like okay we'll stand up we see another guy like this we'll stand up together because i knock him out there's still tons more racist people out there. That's not going to stop racism. People think he's like Hitler. If I knocked him out, oh, no more Nazis. You know, it's like, no, that's not the, that's not the case. The case is there's always going to be more. But what we lack right now is we're divided. You know, we need to just come together. And, and again, it doesn't matter what race. You see this happen to a Mexican lady. I would have helped the Mexican lady out. If this happened to a black uh, man or woman, I would go help them out the same way. We're a community. It's not just about Asians. But because the recent crimes against Asians have been a little bit, it's been on the rise. And I know people are tense. That's why when the situation happened, I, I was really glad that the message was well received. And, I, and again, I appreciate you guys for really, you know, allowing me to come up here and, and speak my piece too about this whole situation, because it seems to me like there's some people that I still think out there, like I'm racist for some reason. I just need to address that. Not, not, I don't have anything. I don't have a guilty conscience, but I just want everyone to hear it too. You know, I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Uh, Kai, let's also talk a little bit uh, going into your background and uh, sure. uh, 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 how you got into MMA. Or, well, we see the videos, and uh, like Aldo, our, our producer Aldo was telling you before we went on the show, uh, I've been seeing your videos living vicariously through you, and I said more power <laughs> to you, man. So um, talk to us about how you decided to get into MMA and uh, what it took for you to do this. Okay, so growing up, there's only doctor or lawyer. That was the choice, yep. right? Typical yep. choice. Uh, yep. My mom was very um, opposite, though, of a typical Asian parent. She said, she actually, believe it or not, she said, you don't need good grades. You just need to be a good person. I don't care what job you do. You can work at McDonald's for the rest of your life, and you just need to be a good person with good morals. And I was shocked. I was like, what kind of Asian mom is this? Is she so unorthodox? <laughs> my dad, typical computer engineer, you know, wants me to be a doctor. I have four siblings. They all graduated college, pharmacist, uh, a nurse, um, an optometrist. And then my other sister, I forgot what she does, but it's just, they're all, they're all, you know, in the medical field. And then I just was like the the black sheep of the family, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I was a rebellious, but it was just, man, yeah. I, I want to grow up with, you know, I didn't grow up with any idols, you know? A lot mm-hmm. of kids growing up, they had Michael Jordan and this yeah. time, I, growing up, I had, I kind of, you know, like there's the, there's the, the, there's celebrities, Jet Li, Jackie Chan, but there's no like, do you all know it's an act? It's an actor, you know? There's no one that you could really look up to in terms of sports figure. And I was like, oh, well, you know, the best thing to do now is just <laughs> to create my own path and do it myself. You know, um, so then that's when I kind of started looking into being a basketball player. 
but then as I play basketball, when I play basketball, in order for you to get really good, you know, you had to play adult league and travel. And a lot of times there was a lot of characters that I met along the way that would threaten me because I would either, sh- I was, I was very good at shooting three pointers. So I shot a three pointer one time over this gentleman. And then after the game, he threatened me. He was like, Hey, you know, you do that again. I'm going to, you know, physically hurt. You know, he said stuff like that. Um, and then that was really scary to me growing up too. There's a few times where me and my mom were in uh, a little bit of the ghetto area, uh, ghetto neighborhoods and stuff. We were washing our, our clothes out like a laundromat and it just felt very uneasy and unsafe. And I hated that feeling of the power, the powerlessness feeling. So, um, my brother-in-law ended up, he was a, a, a former UFC coach, you know, like a champion. Um, he's a, uh, Jiu-Jitsu black belt, judo black belt. He also, you know, he's extremely well decorated. His list goes on and on. He ended up um, just going like, hey, you should do jujitsu when I was nine. And then I slowly, you know, transitioned out of basketball because, you know, I'm not going to carry a basketball with me everywhere I go and just throw it at someone, you know, self-defense, you know. So then I eventually just slowly got into jujitsu more and more. And then the first time I ever fought was as an amateur was when I was 18, I believe. 18 or I'm sorry, 21 amateur MMA fight. Um, the guy had, but leading up to the fight that week, I found out that my opponent had nine fights and I had like zero. And I was like, Oh my gosh, the reason why he had nine fights, but it was on the record was because he fought in casinos, which means they were not illegal, but they weren't sanctioned. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, Oh no, this guy had nine fights that he never listed. Cause on the actual website, it said he was like, Oh, and two, Oh, and three. But then actually he's like six and nine or something. I'm like, oh goodness. And my parents are, are going to be there. My mom and dad, you know, my dad's always been trying to, you know, do that. I told you so. You should be something else. You can't fight. You're not physically gifted. So then the first minute the light shined, I was in the cage. I was so nervous. I couldn't throw a single punch. I was just sweating and it felt so different from training. It's just completely different. And then out of nowhere, I remember I got hit one time and I turned around. I saw my mom and dad. And my dad was shaking his head, like the, the typical disapproval of, of, of the Asian father. And I was like, all right, the feeling of I told you so is going to be so much better than me winning. So I don't know what came over me, but I just threw 20-something punches at this guy, just unloaded a barrage of punches, and I knocked him out. And I was like, wait, that's it? That's all you got to do? <laughs> oh, dude, I can make a career out of this. And then the second fight I ever had as an amateur, I got knocked out in the fight, and I woke up at that same moment and took the guy down and won a split decision. It was a very close fight, but that proved to me two things. One, I could, I have the power to knock people out, which means that you have the power to win Two, Do I have the, the dog, you know, the, the dog fight in me when I got knocked out, woke back up. I was like, yeah, I do have it. I do have it. So that kind of answered my two questions. And there's not a lot of like, you know, Chinese, Taiwanese, you know, um, a, a athlete that's in MMA. So I was like, why not? Why not go into that untapped realm? You know? And that's when I really explored the, just trained every day became and, and worked on my craft and, you know, try to become the best pro athlete I could be. Uh, uh, according to uh, topology the website that uh, uh, according to this, uh, you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it, your record right now is six and three and mm-hmm. you're, you're moving up the ranks and uh, you're also we're in Bellator as well. So yeah. it, it, it's something that, as you mentioned, um, we're seeing a lot of uh, Brazilian jujitsu, we see a lot of, uh, you know, Caucasians. Uh, you're one of the, the few um, Asian Taiwanese uh, fighters in here. So when you when you what are you hoping to achieve with, in, in this, Kai? What are you are you hoping to, like, be spawn the next generation of, uh, of, of Asian MMA fighters? 
Oh yeah, I certainly hope so. I know in Taiwan, I'm a lot bigger in Taiwan because I don't know what it is. There's something about the Taiwanese fan base that just absolutely love that. I love Boba. I'm a I'm an ABC kid that loves Boba, and then I love like Stephen Chow. He's like a icon to me from you know a, a actor in in, in in Asia, and I don't know. I just I think my whole like no tattoo. Um, no trash talk demeanor. I think the Asian crowd really liked that. And then fighting in Taiwan, I think it's just all those things kind of clicked. And then the Asian fan base just loved it and they, they ate it up. And then uh, in Taiwan, it, it got so, I got so big in the MMA scene there that they started having me headline the shows there. Wow. So they're just like, hey, you're going to be the guy. And then I just recently got some, uh, we're in talks right now with Thailand. There's even an organization in Thailand that wants to have me headline their show. And, you know, it's really cool. I'm just like, man, tons of opportunities are spawning. Um, I know my I didn't have a, a lot of amateur fights because I was getting a lot of pressure from my parents. As an MMA fighter, you want to develop yourself as an amateur. But then the thing is, my parents were like, hey, you got to make some money. You know, you got to start making the money. So unfortunately, I made the jump to pro very early uh most amateur most pro fighters have about 20 amateur fights before they turn pro i had four mm -hmm. so i knew i was going to take a lot of losses in the beginning of my uh, pro mm -hmm. career but the positives are in mma it's not like boxing where if you lose one fight you're counted out and also if you see i i had i took a lot of fights in a very short amount of time as as a pro and on top of that too i didn't take as much damage as a lot of these other fighters as an amateur because a lot of damage comes from an amateur career it's like a it's like a college football athlete that's like you know beat up torn acl and whatnot by the time they go to the nfl they're all like broken you know so i have the luxury of not having to deal with that and right now i, I have close to my i was supposed to have my 10th fight this next saturday opponent pull out unfortunately but it's okay covid's getting better taiwan just hit me back up they said hey next year in march i might go back and headline i haven't seen my mom in over a year and a half because of covid and you know all the shutdowns and whatnot so it feels great it feels very positive that a lot of these things are happening and the video actually helped out in a sense where a lot of people are like hey we didn't know you existed <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's funny it's ironic because my nickname is the shadow but now i'm coming out to light you know so it's really cool to see so much support and I'm just like, yeah, I can't wait to um, go around, fight some more, and protect some more boba shops. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, on the profile uh, I received from your uh, managing company, it says yeah. uh, you you were the first Taiwanese background to fight in Bellator. You know, for MMA oh, yeah. junkie, Bellator is you know obviously in competing with the uh, the UFC. Sure. Um, tell us about that experience. And uh, is there any more fight with, uh, you know, Bellator and any other organizations here in the United States? Yeah. So so it was really exciting to hear that because when I they didn't tell me that it wasn't until I was like, hey, when's the last time you guys had a um, Taiwanese fighter? No one could give me an answer. And then by the process of cross elimination and looking at all the previous guys that fought for them. There was no Taiwanese guy. I'm obviously born in America, California, to be exact. But my background, my, my mom and dad are from Taiwan, born in Taiwan, but my dad's side of the family is from Shanghai. So I have roots kind of in both China and Taiwan, but it was just so cool to see that first Taiwanese fighter fight in Bellator. Now, granted, the first fight in Bellator didn't go my way. Um, again, I knew it was the, the tough fights. I just got to take my licks just because, you know, everyone else has so much more experience than me. The second fight in Bellator, however, was very unfortunate because it was in my opponent's hometown. He got a little mm. bit of the favoritism. The former matchmaker of Bellator, his name is Rich Cho. Um, he actually told me right after the fight, he was like, hey, great fight. I thought you won the fight. I'll get you back. But 
um, because of that, I, I kind of hesitate. I got offers to fight Bellator again, but I backed off a little bit just because I don't want to be swooned by the opportunity, by such a glorious opportunity. I need to build my resume up. I definitely mm-hmm. need to build it back up again. I don't want to be beating these guys by close fights. You know, it's, it's uh, when I go in there, I want to, you know, literally destroy them and just, just beat them, you know, with all, res- with all due respect, obviously, but I just definitely don't want to go in there with like, ha- like a s- average performance. It's gotta be something flashy, something cool, something that people can remember me by. So um, I got a few calls, but I still think I need some to work on some stuff. And then um, probably within the next year and a half, though, you'll see me in one of the bigger organizations, hopefully, um, potentially Dana White Contender Series, UFC, eventually within the next two years. I definitely think I'm getting close. It's just the lack of experience. It's not the lack of skill. It's the lack of a competition experience, you know, and you'll definitely see um, as I get more fights, that'll that'll come to be. So um, Bellator was really cool. Rich Cho appreciate the opportunity from him. And he even tweeted about the whole incident, you know, um, that he saw. And he was like, you know, and I was like, wow, so cool that he remembers me. Because you have to understand, he manages mm-hmm. some of the greatest fighters in the world or matchmake. He, he matchmakes some of the greatest fighters in the world. The fact that he remembers me out of a little headline and I didn't even, I wasn't even on the, the main card. I was on the prelims, you know. So the fact that he remembered me just, I, it was really cool. And um, definitely getting a lot of uh, love from like a lot of the celebrities too. Um, I, I didn't say anything, but uh, young June from the show Warrior, he actually yeah. messaged me on Instagram. And I was like, Oh, is that young June? He's, he's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool to see him train. And he was like, Yeah, we should train sometime. I see, you know, I could learn a lot from you. I'm just like, Man, that's young June from Warrior. What am I, you know, what am I doing talking to him and stuff? And then before uh, the video blew up and whatnot, Ronnie Chang, and I was like, I just saw him in oh. Shang-Chi, and I'm like, This is crazy how I'm seeing these guys. And he's even commenting uh, a lot on a lot of my videos. He's like training to fight racists in restaurants. You know, I'm just like, oh, that's hilarious. Ronnie's in my comments saying some stuff. So, you know, it was really cool. And who knows? I might go go mess around in the, the movie because I'm a huge comic book nerd. My oh, brother-in-law yeah. that trained me in jiu-jitsu and whatnot just got done filming uh, John Wick 4. Mm, he was a part oh. of the stunt choreography team. He works with the director, Chad Stahelski, and 8711, the stunt team. So he was trying to get me to, you know, break into that maybe either stunt or you never know because right now a lot of hollywood is uh you know they're trying to diversify their roles yes, and whatnot absolutely. and i'm like man i always thought it'd be really cool to play a comic book character a superhero <laughs> you know like an iron fist give him a yeah. little bit of a twist and it's just so cool to see the stuff that's going on but it's weird because you and i you know we're talking but then the guys that i'm chatting with two on the side are all in these movies are all in all these headlines i'm like hey i know you guys you know but then they just chat with me like a regular person so very surreal you know have you auditioned for anything or do you plan on doing that so i got a few roles before uh, or i got a few offers i should say in taiwan to do some some well i believe yeah. one of them it was actually going to be somewhat bigger but it was going to be mainland china stuff they wouldn't mm-hmm. tell me what the role was i didn't even get that far it was either do that and be like a background character. Um, I believe the movie actually even came out, but I, I, they, at the time they didn't tell me the project name. They gave me an alias, but I ended up not doing that because I wanted to fight and I was signed in a multi-fight contract in Taiwan. I was like, you know what? That deal seems sweeter because my, in my opinion, I need my youth to fight. I don't need my youth to act. You know, I could act how, whatever age I want. And then also at that same time, a Ted, uh, Ted talk in Taiwan, TEDx, I should say, they approached me and they're like, would you like to give a speech? And I'm like, I remember in high school, my science teacher was playing a a TED talk before in class and we were studying or taking notes. 
And I, 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 you know, you know, when we're teenagers, we just chat with our friends. I looked at my friend to the, to the right. I was like, hey, Cameron, um, I wonder what it's like. To, like, do you think they get paid to be in a TED Talk? And then my teacher heard me and she's, I'm, I'm not going to name drop her. I think it's rude. But she said, don't worry about it, Kai. You'll never get the chance anyways. <laughs> Something like that. She basically just told me I'd never even mm-hmm. think about it. Because, you know, I, I don't blame her, though. I wasn't the best kid in school in terms of grades. I was, I was slacked off. I, would, I prefer to work out at home then do my homework which is you know horrible i don't i don't uh, think that's a good message but it paid off and then um now it's very ironic that i i became i ended up doing my ted talk and sometimes i wonder if i could still find her email i just want to send her the video and say <laughs> thank you for the motivation but you know yeah. honestly it did it did feel great to, to take that ted talk because it discovered i had to discover something in myself you know i had to come up with a, a speech and it's very ironic because the speech that i did the headline was play the cards you were dealt and in my second fight in Taiwan, the biggest, I think the biggest fight I had that in terms of like the, the audience, I came out with playing cards like uh, Stephen Chow and in, in, uh, God of Gamblers and Chow and Fat. And I threw the cards in the air and short few years later, two years later or a year and a half later, I ended up getting a TED talk and, they, the, and I ended up doing it on uh, play the cards you're dealt. So I just find it very Man, the, the metaphor and just the, the twist of that story was really cool. And I just wanted to take that as opposed to doing a few commercials or um, uh, TV show appearances and whatnot, because I think they'll always be there. And even now, more so than ever, especially after this whole video came up, some people um, that are in the film industry have asked me, they're like, hey, have you ever done fight choreography? We'd love to see if you could you know, show us a thing or two and add some legitimacy to our film. So I was like, wow, this is cool. I'd love to do something, you know, so. I'm keeping my options open, but the goal is still, no matter what, I don't want to let this go to my head. I'm still, no matter how, you know, this turns out, how much of a following it get, I'm still going to be drinking boba at the boba <laughs> shop. I'm still going to keep it very low key, getting my popcorn chicken, my tempura, mm. you know, eating hot pots. That's, that's how I want to keep it. A couple more questions before we let you go, Kai, and we thank you for coming on the show. Um, Wanted to ask you about Taiwan. Uh, you're, you're fighting there. Um, you're doing a lot of stuff over there. Uh, and you also mentioned the fandom. And yeah. Taiwan is known for loving its baseball, no, loving its NBA. They're very rapid on sports. Um, how are they taking to MMA and, and, and you especially? Oh, man, I, I was shocked. I did a YouTube video with one of their YouTube, uh, famous YouTuber in Taiwan. His name's Gai. He's like a gym guy and uh, his video blew up. It got like a million views. And for the population of Taiwan, that's, it's like, that's a, that's a lot, you know, there's only like about 23 to 25 million people in Taiwan. So after that video, I was walking around and people were walking in the street and they told my dad, they're like, Hey, can I take a photo with Kai? Like, do you mind taking a photo for us? And my dad was like, what? This is, this is like, there's no way, you know? And then we, we, me and my dad would go into restaurants because it's, it's cooler to me, not that people recognize me. It's just, I've always wanted to make my mom and dad proud. So the fact that me and my mom and dad, we go to restaurants, we were never rich when I was a kid or, you know, like we weren't like, you know, we, we had to make ends meet at sometimes, but going into some of the restaurants and getting a free meal and they're just like, it's comped. We just want to take a photo with you. Or can we put your photo on the wall? I'm like, this is insane. There's no way this is happening. I'm just a, I'm just a, little asian kid you know abc kid you know i'm not i'm nothing special so to see that and the amount of uh, people that stayed after my last fight the swarming that that was literally like a rocky moment and i was like wow this could 
I'm I really think that role was um it was just destiny. It was fate. No matter how how many times I've gotten injured in fights, how many times I've wanted to quit my career and retire or move on to something else, something pulls me right back in and then this awaits. And I think those are all just tests. You know, you always ask for what you want and you always think you're met with resistance. In reality, it's a test. And I think those are all tests to to see if I can make it. And the Taiwan fan base has definitely really showed support and win or lose. They've always been there for me. And they're just like, we don't care that you lose. We just care that you represent a fight for us. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I really do. And, and I really do. And, and over here, cause you know, Americans, uh, when I say Americans, I mean like some of the more, it, it's just, they're like, you guys are all the same. You Japanese, Taiwanese, Chinese, whatever you guys are all the same. You guys are Asian. And I'm like, okay, well I'll represent the Taiwanese crowd. I'll represent the Chinese, Japanese, Korean. I don't care if you're Asian, I'll represent you guys. I'm fighting for the underdogs. You know, that was the beginning of fighting for me. And then I started expanding more because they're st- starting to get more and more, uh, uh, the, from the black community. They're like just super supportive of uh, the Mexican community. Cause they love the box. There are a lot of boxers that train mm-hmm. a lot of Hispanic boxers and they're like, man, this is cool. So, I, I got to meet a lot of people from different communities and just kind of rise together. So that's something I'm very fortunate and blessed to be able to do and just kind of continue to represent. Well, uh, Kai, we, uh, we really appreciate you coming on and taking some time to take on, to come on our show. Um, we're in our infancy in, in this program. I think we're, we're, we're under five shows. So yes. for you to come on uh, one of our first shows, we really appreciate it and talk about your video and, and talk about the great, um, message that you have and also uh continued success and we hope to see you down the road yeah thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, thank you Kai. i know it doesn't matter if i end up being in a main event of the ufc or not i would love to come back on the show and, and chat absolutely you you're more than welcome to come back to our show and uh, promote your own fight or any other movie show that you are lined up and uh you know uh, we hope that uh, you will uh, continue to do well uh, both in and out of the ring. And uh, we thank you for uh, representing our community in a positive way. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time. And thank you, Kai. Thank you, Kai. And, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And the AA team will continue right after this. The coaching by both Coach Griffin and Dylan in youth football, but that had just ended. It was Dylan's season had just ended and when Griffin passed away. Um and so then, as I said, my mom, she had, uh, prior to Griffin passing away, though, uh, on it was a Mother's Day, actually the day after Mother's Day that very year, she found out she had stage four uterine cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, so she survived an, an, uh, just a lethal um, surgery where they removed a lot. Um, and so she somehow survived that only to eight months later pass away um and so there was kind of a rough time there where for me it felt like everybody was going nobody was coming yeah and um and so uh yeah i i that led me to a a serious serious bout of depression to the point where um in august of 2015 I actually shot myself and in the head, underneath the chin, and um, with the intention of not being here. Uh, And so as I look back now, um, everything I didn't have to live for, I now have to live for. And so um, 
it, it was just a period of time where it, life was tough and it was once you get down what my experience is once i got down that low um it didn't feel like it was ever going to end and uh unless i ended it Back on the double A team and Ken Fang along with Stephen Nagishi. And uh, just a quick wrap up on that last segment, uh, Stephen. What a great message, a positive message that Kai Wu has for everybody. He could have easily, easily uh, escalated that situation and knowing his background, knocked out that customer who is uh, being very, um, uh, who is just very rude at that, uh, that Boba restaurant. But he chose empathy, and he chose to de-escalate. And uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, what a positive message that sends out! Absolutely, you know, I kind of feel embarrassed that if he, if if uh, if I had half of his uh, skills, I probably would have kicked his ass or something last time I was on the <laughs> show. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's always actions that have consequences, and uh, you know, that guy could have uh, obviously escalated it uh, to a point where it would have been a national news. Um, him and his family would have been embarrassed, obviously, and uh, he would have been fired had he been working. Uh, obviously, no employee would have touched him considering the, uh, the situation uh, of it. So I appreciate Kai uh, for diffusing it in a professional manner and uh, you know, uh, we have our own issues even within the uh, Asian communities. There's no question about it from a historical aspect. And uh, we all have to do better uh, with the, uh, not only within ourselves, but also with the other race to uh, overcome any uh, differences and uh, uh, any tensions that uh, we've, have, uh, we've had, we've had uh, in the last uh, uh, almost two years now. Mm -hmm. Let's bring in our second guest, Stephen, and why don't you go ahead and introduce who we have. Okay, so uh, the next guest is uh, based out of San Francisco area, and he has his own uh, show uh, focused on the uh, sports in the Bay Area. Uh, we reached out. I reached out to him a couple of weeks ago. I've uh, watched his show uh, several times. Uh, we're really, really excited to have another fellow Asian-American uh, sports uh, fanatic uh, on, Jerry Yang. Uh, from San Francisco. Jerry, I appreciate your patience uh, waiting uh, for us, and uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. No problem. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to be here, and man, I had to follow Kai. That's a quite a tall order there. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. No, no that was amazing. That was an amazing story. I, I'm glad you guys covered it, and Kai is like a really interesting guy. I followed him on Twitter right after the show, so... Um, yeah, quite an amazing story. Handled it a lot better than most people, and I, I, I thought you did the right thing. So I think uh, mm -hmm. it was good that you guys highlight the story, and you know, it was cool. It was a really interesting take. So I, I saw the last episode. I'm glad you guys followed up on it. So it's cool. Absolutely, Jerry. Tell us a little about uh, about what you're doing and uh, the show that you have on the air. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so my name is Jerry. I actually have a co-host named Mike Tang as well. We have a podcast called the Yang and Tang Show. Um, we're on Spotify, Google, you know, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite podcast shows. And we also live stream on Twitch and on Twitter. So feel free to give me a follow on my Twitter handle here. We mainly follow Bay Area sports, so we follow the Niners, the Giants, and 
the A's and the um, A's and the Warriors too. So I know you guys are very uh, Bears heavy show. So I, I kind of wish you guys <laughs> had the right yeah. especially <laughs> especially that guy over there. You know, especially that <laughs> yeah. guy. and our producer too, Aldo Gandia, especially. Yeah, I know. I saw <laughs> you. I, I was looking at other shows. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, before the draft, I actually wanted uh, Justin Fields um, as a number three pick. So I was a little bit bummed that we didn't pick him in uh, the Bears got. So you guys got a pretty good QB there. And it seems like his uh, rib injury is going to be okay, right? He came back negative. Yes. So you guys should be okay. And at least you have Andy Dalton as well. So he's a right. suitable backup compared <laughs> to uh, most backups out there. So I, I think we'll be Absolutely. in good hands. So. <laughs> well, at least, Jerry, we're representing all three areas of the United States. You're on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. I'm in, I'm in Rhode Island. have nothing to do with Chicago, but Stephen is very much a I'm Chicago actually, guy. Yeah, in the Are you a Patriots fan? No, no, not a Patriots fan. I'm a Browns fan. I'm, I'm, I'm an island all by myself, Jerry. So. <laughs> Jerry, wow, uh, Browns fan. Sorry, awesome. um, oh, sorry Stephen. Go ahead. No, no, I apologize, Jerry. Um, you brought up about the Fields thing. Um, Leading up to that draft, uh, you know, you move the 49ers move up to, I believe, third overall. Yeah. And there were talks about Mac Jones and people were freaking out. And, you know, um, and you ended up taking Trey Lance, um, mm-hmm. who was a talented but very, very raw prospect. And I, I think a lot of uh, experts were talking about Lance versus Fields for at least the next decade, like we had like Brady and Manning and all that kind of stuff. But, um, um, you know, Fields had his own struggles. Lance hasn't seen the field a lot. Um, what's been the uh, the mood in 49, uh, 49er country uh, regarding Garoppolo's uh, future? And uh, where does uh, Trey Lance uh, fit into the uh, uh, the equation? Well, like a uh, big question out of the gate, you know? <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, it, I think the... Bay Area really wanted Trey Lance, and I think it's mainly because they want a change in quarterback. If you went with Mac Jones, you're basically keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like you have Jimmy Garoppolo on a lower salary. He's NFL ready, but his ceiling is pretty low. But with Lance, the possibilities are endless, but he needs time to develop. And that's what we're seeing right now, that we're committed to Jimmy Garoppolo and giving Lance some time. I think that's also what's leading to the losing streak that we had coming up to the last two weeks is because there's a lack of leadership, right? You have a guy that's one step out the door and he have a QB in the wings or coming in that the fan base is trying to get behind. And it's creating a lot of uncertainty. And when it comes to pro sports, uncertainty is like the worst enemy, right? <laughs> you talk about baseball where the lineups get kind of messed up when there's the injuries because there's uncertainty in positions, right? You uncertainty on which, um, you know, batting order you're going to bat in. And that's the same with football. You have a position where you're uncertain who's really the leader, right? Like, And they lost a lot of leaders. Niners lost tons of leaders. Like Joe Saley retired. We traded away DeForest Buckner, who was a leader. Uh, Richard Sherman left, right? He was a leader of the cornerbacks. Lost Emmanuel Sanders. He was a leader of the wide receivers. So you're left with George Kittle, who's kind of a leader, but, you know, he's only in the tight end position. And Nick Bosa is really young. So what you're stuck with is Jimmy G, that's halfway out the door, who is supposedly your leader, right? And I think a lot of it comes down to that. And I'm... I have a lot of faith in Kyle Shanahan, and I think a lot of people are kind of questioning him and all this stuff, but I think he's one of the best head coaches out there. I think 
if anyone should be in the hot seat, it should really be John Lynch. He he's the one that made the bad trades, right? And the bad draft picks. And we call this a red shirt uh draft year because uh, our top four picks are riding the bench right now. <laughs> so mm. we're uh we're a little bit uh not so happy with Lynch here. I think that's the vibe. And Shanahan, I think we give a pass because we see the genius out there, right? His play calling is unbelievable. He's establishing a good culture in the Niners, but he's not getting the talent pool that he wants, it seems like, or at least not a talent pool that he's using, right? Which is a bigger issue, I think. Right. And you talk about John Lynch and uh, being the general manager, coming in from Fox as an announcer, um, not having that management experience, but uh, supposedly seeing all this talent um, as the number two team uh, on Fox. So you're thinking maybe he knows something. And uh, well, after a very good first year, but then after that, it's all been a little bit downhill. So uh, as you're mentioning, you're thinking that that John Lynch is more on the hot seat than, than Cal Shanahan. I would say so. I think that's why his contract came a little bit later. And remember, he's a Hall of Fame defensive player right. as well, right? So right. they're trying to get him to be a strong defensive force and de- defensive uh, evaluator because you have a strong offensive evaluator with Kyle Shanahan, right? So mm-hmm. you're trying to balance the two in terms of the inputs that you have and be able to get great players. And so far, I haven't seen it. Aside from Nick Bosa, who's the obvious pick, you know, I, I think anyone could have told you to pick Nick Bosa that year. Um, you see Eric Armstead, they overextended him. Why did we let them, the Forrest Buckner go? That's a big question mark. And a lot of the other draft picks haven't worked out, right? So I think it's he's been good in hitting late round picks. That's why George Kittle has been good. Fred Warner has been good late on in the rounds and we saw elijah mitchell with this last draft yeah. being really good as well right but then why did we trap trey sherman you know or sermon right it's like you know <laughs> there's a lot of question marks right so i think um you know if lynch is not in the hot seat he is now i think <laughs> after all these years mm-hmm. but i think the unfortunate part is i think he's tied with shanahan right so if yeah. they're going to make a move, they're going to make sure Shanahan has input on it. And who can Shanahan work with as well? As well, yeah. right? So that's the that's going to be the tricky part. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right, because you don't want to saddle a new general manager with a manager that uh, or a head coach that you obviously never hired or never had any history yeah. in the past. So I get that Lynch, obviously. Uh, is on more of a hot seat than Shanahan. I was kind of surprised that uh, Shanahan is actually more on the hot seat. Uh, well, than the, some uh, people are. Some people were putting him in there until the last two wins. Yeah. They were like, he lost his touch. He's like, you know, past his hill. But you know, last two games, he can. He showed. He showed that he can be innovative. He just needs a talent out there to do it. You know, mm-hmm. he's not out there playing. His execution that's the problem right now. So I think, you know, and we saw a bad head coach GM combo. We saw Jim Harbaugh and Trent Baalke here in the Niners. Right. That was really yeah. And, and the man ownership took a stance in keeping Baalke for some reason and letting Harbaugh go. And that was a huge failure, right? So, yeah. you know, I think the organization is kind of learning that you kind of have to pair guys together and for thick or thin. So I, I think even though Lynch is on the hot seat, I can see him ride through this career. And I think for both of them, Trey Lance is their future, right? If he doesn't work out, I think both of them are gone. So, Right. Do you see Trey Lance starting at all, or is he just basically going to ride the pine this year? 
he's gonna ride the plan. I think Jimmy G has shown that he can at least help us win games and not lose games for mm-hmm. us. He's been really efficient, especially coming out of the shotgun now. I think that was the biggest uh, change, even with the indie game. They actually made a big change where um, he was running, he was coming from the shotgun, staring out on the field, and getting passes and being efficient. And I think that's all we need right now. Right, with the offense that we have and with defense um, starting to get a little bit better, right? <laughs> um, but I don't think there's any prospects or any, you know, fantasies of the Niners winning the Super Bowl this year, right? I think mm-hmm. a win would just be making the wild card game and getting eliminated in the first round. You know? <laughs> but, but yeah, so I think that's why I don't think Lance will be out there and he doesn't have a lot of experience. He only had one season under him and then a long year off. It's almost like James Wiseman on the Warriors where he didn't see a lot of basketball time until he came into the pros and he got injury right away. So I don't think they want to rush to a Lance. And he was in one game with the Cardinals and he ended up getting hurt in that game. So mm-hmm. that shows you that he's not experienced and he doesn't know how to protect himself yet. I think that's also a key, key to developing a rookie quarterback. Jerry, have the, the Giants fans still – have they gotten over the check swing, the non-check swing yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I can accept the loss in the other way. It's a strikeout or a foul out, but letting a rep determine it, it almost feels like a three-point ball that got, you know, called a foul and then someone shot free throws and beat you, right? It's like the same feeling. You know, you kind of have to let that go. But either way, I was just happy that the Giants were able to get into the playoffs and now I won't be the best play, best team in the playoffs next to the Giants, <laughs> Dodgers, right? And then it was a right. cool, epic series to see. I think that was the only playoff series we ever saw the Dodgers versus the Giants mm-hmm. um, since the split in the 1950s or wherever it is, right? So um, so I think from a fan perspective, I enjoyed it. I love the team. I think it's going the right direction. And you talk about leaders. There was a lot of leaders in that locker room. Right, yeah, proper right. there. You have Posey there, Bells. You can name tons of people there, and they all can be seen as a leader. And I think that's the key to winning any any sports right now is leadership. So, right. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, you just had there's, to bring it up. Very, <laughs> well, I should have this. Uh, <laughs> this so this is uh this is the first review of that check swing. Yeah, but surprised when I saw this. My God, that was a bad. <laughs> that was. That was okay, and what's interesting is that when I talked about this on Twitter because I'm a, I'm a very big Dodger hater on, on Twitter. <laughs> um, so um, I, I, every Dodger fan will go, well, remember back in June, I go about that. <laughs> I go, no one remembers that. Okay. Don't try to make a, a wrong or right. Okay. Don't try to justify that. It this is determined series. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody remembers that. Don't no. try and you know, bring that up. And he, yeah. I mean, and they, well, Every every batter hit, every play counts, especially in the regular season. I go, just shut up, okay? Just try, yeah. just try to justify. Just when you're on the other side of that, and tell me how you feel, right? I think, yeah, I think yeah, the best yeah. thing that happened though is actually it kept uh, it kept our uh, rivalry going, right? It never settled <laughs> who's the best team anymore. You know, the, I thought that's the only way to end it is by controversy. So I think that was yeah. uh, that was quite appropriate in my mind, and uh, <laughs> it just so it was funny. It was very funny, but as you mentioned, at least the Giants have the groundwork and have laid the groundwork for some something, some great stuff after some really lean years after the last World Series yeah. championship. And they have something to look forward to, especially next season. I know it was the best regular season uh, they've had in, in a long time, and you 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 beat the Dodgers, the hated rivals, and then you you have to play them again in the in the playoffs. But um, 
the fact is, is that there is a, a good opportunity because I, I really would like to think that the Dodgers are going downhill while the, 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 there's an upward tra- trajectory for the Giants. I mean, I hope so, right? <laughs> for, for are they for building the long run, on, uh, Jerry? Sorry. Sorry, what was Jerry, are, they, are, are Giants built for the long run or was this a – I think so. I, know, maybe it was I think so, long. right? I okay. think so. I think so. I think they're built for the long run. I think – so one of the things I think that amazes me is that every year since we had Farhan take over, um, we've actually had been in it. You know, like people forget that right before COVID happened, our team was actually in the run. You know, <laughs> it was a good team already built. And I think Gabe Kapler was underestimated. And that's why Gabe Kapler now was the manager of the year right. and Farhan's executive of the year. And it's well-deserved. They put the talent pool in place without burning big contracts. I think that was a huge thing too, is to be able to, find gems out there and put us in good positions to win, you know? So I think they are built for the long run. I think a big blow was losing Buster Posey. Um, you know, there was a very emotional moment. And, you know, wearing my uh, Buster Posey shirt here in honor of him because I knew at some point we'll be talking about Buster Posey. But, yeah. you know, that, that's a huge guy to lose. He's been, like, one of the fan favorites for, you know, like, what, 20 years now, right? Yes. It feels like at least. So mm, it's right. – it's um it's a huge loss and i think the team is well established though to be able to recover from that loss it's having um brandon belt be re-signed having crawford there i think we still need to get more free agent talent to be able to establish that base but but i think they're built for success i think having a lot of the contracts be expired and not renewing bad contracts is being a big thing for the giants to to continue this run going forward um so yeah so i think that that's a huge thing i think um Looking looking back, you know, I think the the main thing for the Giants is even though we won a lot of games, it does remind me a little bit of the Warriors' seventy three record season where they did use a lot of players and they end up losing the finals. Yeah. So I think the philosophy mm-hmm. after that was to really manage minutes, not push and try to win so much in the regular season. So I'll be curious on what the Giants do next season and in resting guys and having rest days and not not pushing it to try to get that record. I mean, the record doesn't mean anything if you don't have the World Series, right? So yeah, yeah. I think you want you want guys to be fresh at the right time. I think that's what happened with the Braves. And congrats to the Braves for getting hot at the right time and winning it all. So, yeah, like, you don't want to peak too early, though. Right. Yeah, I don't, you never want to peak too early, right? And I think that's what happened with the Warriors. And you saw it happen with the Giants, too. And it's great to have that record. But, you know, if you ask a player, do you want a record – uh, wins or do you want a World Series? And I bet you everyone's going to say the World Series. The one rank. That's going to mean a lot more, right? So Absolutely. you're, you're, yeah, you're engraved more in history that way. So speaking about baseball, the other baseball team, the A's, the, the future of the A's, yeah. we don't know where they're going to be <laughs> playing. Um, of course, Las Vegas already stole one team from Oakland, which yeah. is the Raiders. And there's talk about they could go to Las Vegas or if they don't build the stadium where where, where the, the site is being uh, uh, recommended. What's the what's the deal going on? And Jerry, do you think we'll we'll see the ace in Oakland for in, the, in the long run? You know, what's interesting, there was actually a news article that came out recently that Howard Hughes Co. offered free land for the A's in Las Vegas if they come over. 
And right. how do you turn up free rent right? Right. <laughs> for a million dollars? <laughs> I think a lot of it, you know, not to get too political here, is I think Oakland uh, government and local government there is what's causing all this, right? Mm -hmm. Not giving clearance and not actually valuing the A's as a franchise. And the A's want to be in downtown. They want to be in Jack London Square. They want to be in this offset, you know, one-on-one <laughs> freeway where it's really hard to get to. But, like, get into that game. And that's why the Warriors left, too. There's nothing around that area there's like one right home mom and pop barbecue joint that no one really goes to and then other than that you don't really have much going on and they said no tailgating for baseball games so you know you just go to the game and go home like no one wants to do that right so it's mm -hmm. it's um i think for a fan perspective it's not great and then from a franchise perspective they're not if they're not being loved there you know why not leave right and vegas is making a very big pitch to them like not only that free rent however they're also the city's been giving a lot of clearance city is saying hey if you want to be on the strip or close to the strip we'll deal with the traffic come on over right and they're giving right. a lot of incentives to be able to have them come over rather than oakland where they're voting just to be able to talk to them you know so right. so that's the biggest difference right now is i think the politics of local government needs to change in oakland or else they're going to lose all the franchises and this is the last standing one right so yeah. so we'll see we'll see but yeah i don't think the a's will be a winning franchise until they find a home they're trying to save money right now they're trying to accumulate as much money to build that billion dollar stadium so they're not going to burn on a player like a multi-million dollar contract mm -hmm. on a single player and that's why that's you cool. constantly see aids players leaving right they're almost like yeah. a farm team for other teams now because like once a team get a player gets hot they can't retain them and they sign with the yankees or something <laughs> and then they become mm -hmm. a success there so you know until that happens i, I don't think um I don't think Ace fans should hold their breath on on a winning season. So, as long as uh, yeah, as long as Billy Bean is still in charge of the franchise, I, I think uh, A's are, you know, despite all the uh, limited resources and uh, clouds over their future, they will still remain somehow competitive. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Billy Bean chose to stay here. Remember, he has a he had a deal from the Red Sox. Yeah, and that year where he got offered, it was the year that they won the World Series because they took some of the Billy Bean's philosophy and built a team that could win it all, right? So, you know, he chose to stay here, so I give him credit for that. And I think he's always, always proven to be a capable GM and getting good talent. It's just, you know, talent can only take you so far <laughs> without having the money to be able to build veterans in addition to younger guys, right? I think that's where... That's where, remember, we talked about leadership. Once again, you're building young rookies and not having the leaders to be able to take them across the finish line. And that's what we constantly see, right, where the uh, A's get really hot in the beginning because the team is really new, fresh, excited. And then towards the end, they kind of burn out because you kind of need some veterans to tell you, hey, this is the hardest part of the season. You right. got to push your way through. And then once you're in the playoffs, it's the same thing. It's the veterans and the superstars that make the big – um, plays and win win the series for you. So it's amazing how many uh, great players that the A's have lost over the last two decades. And if they had any amount of resources, I, I think they could have won a couple of world championships. That's for sure. Easily, easily, right? I think that, you know, I can name like a couple of series where they were like so close, you know, and yeah. like it's just 
a team like the Yankees will limit the resources and the beating them because the veteran guys came through. You know, you have a guy like Jeter out there, Alex Rodriguez right. on the other side, and you have a bunch of guys you can't even name on the A's on the other side. You know, <laughs> in the seven game series kind of exposed there. So you mentioned the other uh, team that left Oakland, which is the Warriors, which are now very happy about their yep. home in San Francisco. Uh, obviously, they had a couple of off uh, off season uh, in 2020, but now they're looking forward. Where do you see them going this uh, for this season, Jerry? Well, I think this team's the deepest Warrior team I've seen in a while, mainly because mm-hmm. you have like Gary Payton in there, Jordan Poole's coming up. You have your rookies with Moody and Kaminga. You know, and Clay Thompson's going to be back before Christmas. It's it's looking pretty hot right now. And once we get James Wiseman back, that'll be great too. You know, so it, I think the team is. Um, I think we miss Andre Iguodala more than we thought. And yeah. once he came back, he brought that leadership presence, brought a solidification to the six man role, um, brought big play moments and key clutch moments. You know, I think we all underestimated that. And I thought it was great that he took kind of a home. Town, not really his hometown discount to come back, right? I think he was a very well desired player in the other destination, but it goes to show the culture and the direction of the Warriors that they would stay, right? And say with Curry, be able to stay with the franchise. He could go anywhere. He could be a Laker right now, right? Yeah. I think they would have paid up and get him. Like any team would want him, right? So, so I, I think he. Um, it speaks a lot to the franchise. It speaks a lot to where the Warriors are going. And Steve Kerr as well, right? And uh, Bob yeah. Myers, I think it speaks to that that ownership group of Lake up out there to to yeah. make this happen, make a great culture. And I was a Warrior fan when they were really bad. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of years of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, when Mike right. Dunleavy and all that stuff. And the only hope that you saw was that we believe Warriors, which I th- I think led to why Joe Lacob decided to buy the franchise, because mm-hmm. you saw the potential with the fans and with the Bay Area and the money that was poured into that single season, which is a team that didn't even get past the second round, right? Yeah. So you saw the potential there. You bought the team to build on that potential and the potential was realized, right? With three championships. So it was right. so yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this season. And then the last game, I think the Raptors was kind of a revenge game for the Raptors because they won yeah. the championship from us by using the box and one with Curry. But this time it didn't work. You have Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole with thirty <laughs> points each and you know, you you would never have that in the past. So that's that goes to show the depth and the the maturity of some of these players that came in here and, and dropping dropping those type of stats and not not always depending on Curry, right? And having Curry yeah. be able to get some rest and get manage his minutes a little bit better. Right. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, two guys on the Warriors, uh, Andrew Wiggins and uh, Jerry Wiseman. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, James Wiseman. James Wiseman. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously, both players have had some, you know, heat from the uh, the fan base. Um, what is their long term potential? Uh, their potential, especially Wiseman. I know he was picked pretty high, uh, second overall. I forgot who the uh, Warriors picked him over. Um, yeah, it was over uh, Lamelo Ball. Lamelo oh, Ball. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And there was another guy that yeah, forgot his, we forgot his name because he, he doesn't matter. Why is man? Does he have a long term uh, future with the Warriors, or is he like a maybe a trade bait uh, later this year, or maybe the next year, next offseason? I, I hope he's not like a trade bait because we need guys in center, right? I think mm-hmm. we're showing that. Um, Kavon Looney is good, but he's yeah. very limited on what he can do, you know. And we brought 
a new guy, Belichick. Uh, <laughs> I always mispronounce his name, so don't take my word <laughs> yeah. for it. It's a European name, so those are always hard sure, to pronounce. Sure. But but he's been a pretty good player, right? So he's been good. But none of those guys are true starters, you know. And I think they want to develop a guy like James Wiseman to be that true starter. But he's really young. He only had two games before the NBA, and then he missed half the season due to a finger injury last season. Wow. So it's um it's gonna be tough, you know. Like his ceiling, I think, is really high. Um, but it's really up to him to be able to develop and mature in there. And I don't think this season will be the season where you're gonna have that aha moment where whoa, James Wyman is gonna be our future now. I think it's gonna take at least a season or two. I think even Jordan Poole took a while before we saw the potential and saw him be the main guy, right? And Andrew Wiggins, I think he had the potential, he had all the skill sets. But he was in Minnesota, right? No one there really pushed him to say, hey, be better, be better. He was always there as, hey, okay, you're there. Cool, let's just try to win, I guess, today. And he came to the Warriors. Draymond Green's barking his ear every game, saying, get better, get better. Curry, they're getting better. See, other team players get better, like Jordan Poole getting better. See, everyone else get better. He got better, right? And I think that's why you're seeing him being unleashed. I think the fans were a little bit skeptical when he first came in. Because the Andrew Wiggins that the Timberwolves always knew him as is a guy who um, would be great for a couple games and then take a couple games off, you know. And I think there's still a little bit out with Wiggins. At times you see him disappear during big moments. You don't really see him in the fourth quarter. But he's gotten a lot better this season, right? Like, I think he's improving a lot. And I think he's not allowed to slack off anymore on this team. And I think that's doing wonders for him. You know, a little structure, a little bit of leadership, a little bit of people pushing you to to do better goes a long way, right? And I think, and I think the credit goes to Wiggins as well to be able to accept that criticism, right? I think you you see other guys um, coming through Warriors that might not always pan out because they don't really want to be developed that way, right? I think Wiggins is responding really well to that. So, so yeah, I think his potential is pretty high uh, with us, and I think he'll he'll go a long way with us for a while. Absolutely. Well. Jerry Yang of the Yang and Tang Show. Also, uh, MJ, plug your show one more time for us. <laughs> sure. The Yang and Tang Show, a.k.a. the MJ Sportscast. We're originally the MJ Sportscast, but someone gave us a nickname, the Yang and Tang Show, and it kind of caught on. So that's why we have both names now. <laughs> but, yeah, let's check us out on Spotify and all that stuff. We are not on YouTube anymore, unfortunately. We... Uh, um, I think we broadcasted the draft, and that was a big no-no. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll be on that someday. It's okay. We'll yes. we'll make it back. But I think uh, I think we're our our first day is really audio for most part. So we'll you know make sure to check us out there on podcast. And uh, Jerry, we'll definitely have you back again. We we yeah, I so love talking Bay Area sports, even though uh, I'm, I'm here in here in the East Coast. Love here, talking about the Bay Area. I thought we we're going to talk about like you know um, Mooney and Allen Robinson. No, 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 It's too much for us right now. <laughs> Stephen is too, still too much pain over that one. So <laughs> these guys are on my fantasy team. Are they going to do well or what? <laughs> oh man, sorry, we're disappointing and stinking it up but uh, jerry um i want to thank you for uh, uh coming on tonight um sure. i'm sorry you had to wait a little bit longer no um, no it was yeah. worth it i think kai was awesome like i said that was a great guest and you guys did a great job interviewing him so i was i was enjoying yeah. listening to, to the interview <laughs> while waiting so it was a good i appreciate it awesome. and uh <laughs> 
you know, we look forward to doing some uh, collaboration work with uh, you and uh, your colleague, uh, yeah, co-host, I should say, you know, just like uh, Ken and I are doing, you know, all four yeah. Asian guys talking about sports and, uh, you know, API issues and stuff like that. And obviously living in San Francisco, you know, you had to uh, witness some of the, yeah. uh, you know, the horrific stuff that's been mm -hmm. somewhat prevalent and, uh you know, I, I wish you and your family, uh, you know, nothing but the best. And uh, we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it was really fun to talk to uh, shop with you guys. And thank you for having me on the show. And, you know, happy Thanksgiving to you guys as well. And best of luck to you on your show in the future. And yeah, let's do more collaborations. Maybe I can get one of you guys on my show too. <laughs> so we'll thank see. You. We'll see. We'll work something out. But yeah, um, thanks for thanks for having me. Jerry, yeah, thank you it. so much. And Thanks, the AA sir. team will continue after this. The past year has seen a 1,900% rise in anti-Asian hate crime in New York City alone. With 2,800 incidents reported across 47 states in Washington, D.C., this is a national crisis. And we need your help to call it out. Call it a crime. Call it what it is. Racism. Let's stand up together against hate. Learn more at StopAAPIHate.org. Really understanding the difference between empowerment and agency versus objectification. And the difference is always who has the power. If I choose that I feel my best and, and I look my best and I'm the most confident in a certain outfit, then I am empowering myself to make that choice and to tell you that I'm, I, I'll show you who I am and let you know who I am. You can't make those decisions based off what I'm wearing. But if it's objectification because the producers or directors or whoever runs a show is saying you have to wear a dress every show and high heels have to be this high, and you have to dye your hair blonde. It's a very different thing, right? So right. I do think we have to remember that because a lot of people will look at women who are stepping into their own sexuality and, and accuse them of not being also allowed to talk about harassment and other things. They're very different things. It's about choice and power. We continue with the AA team on the Barroom Network. Ken Fang alongside with Stephen Nagishi. Um, loved our guests. Uh, we had uh, loved our guests today. We had, we talked about a lot of things. Um, uh, Kai Wu of the uh, of MMA fighter who fights mostly in Taiwan. We talked about his uh, video, his viral video. And we also thank Jerry Yang uh, of the Yang and Tang Show for coming on, talking Bay Area sports. I know that... Uh, uh, Sports is all provincial. Sports is always local, but uh, always get to get a uh, different perspective from the other side and uh, from the other side of the country, Stephen. Absolutely. You know, there's a, a wide variety of people uh, like uh, Jerry and uh, um, and his co-host, Michael Tang, doing his doing their own thing like we are doing. Only obviously they've been doing it for a little bit longer. But, uh, you know, it's so nice to see, uh, you know. Uh, fellow Asians like uh, like them uh, openly talking about sports and uh, also Kai uh, being out on the forefront uh, trying to, um, you know, represent our community in such a positive manner. So, you know, we really, really enjoyed having our guests tonight and uh, I'm uh, really, really happy that uh, we let them talk and uh, explain their uh, side of their stories and uh, we really enjoy having them as always. 
let's talk about um our, usually we talk about the NFL in this subject in this uh segment but because our first segment was with Kai uh let's talk about the major news that's happening in the in the this week international sports star Peng Shui uh tennis star um uh representing China uh she has won a couple of uh Grand Slam tournaments as a doubles player. Uh, the Women's Test Association is playing hardball with China because the fact that uh, she ha- was not seen in public for quite some time. She made a social media post in China on the Chinese version of Twitter called Weibo, accusing a politician of, of sexual assault, saying that his wife stood guard in uh, at the door while this assault took place. Um, the Chinese government, which monitors the social media platform Weibo, quickly took it down. Um, and then for a while, she was missing. The WTA was wondering where she was. The International Olympic Committee, which also is dealing uh, with China as well. And of course, we'll have the Beijing Winter Olympics in February, just about uh, four months or three months from now. Um, that was something that uh, they're involved in as well. However, the the, the two organizations' reactions, Stephen, couldn't be more different. The WTA played hardball and threatened to say, hey, look, we don't see if we don't see or hear from Peng Shui, we are going to pull out of China. We are going to pull all of our tournaments away. Uh, and I know while China is a communist government, they mm-hmm. react to money just like every other country. Um, you threaten them with money. Uh, they, they are or, or pulling out us uh, economically, they will react. And that's is exactly what they did. They said they tried to produce Peng Shui uh, on video. Um, however, even though this, uh, they also had her on a conference with International Olympic Committee President uh, Thomas Bach. However, um, the video that was produced of her signing a autographs at a tennis tournament has not been independently verified. Um, the interview that uh, she had or the conversation she had with Thomas Bach saying that she wanted to be left alone uh, really doesn't ring pretty much rings hollow to the WTA. So there are a lot of things in this situation, uh, Stephen, which um, aren't sitting well, uh, not only with uh, the WTA, but with the international community and the AAPI community. Right. Um, So IOC President Thomas Bach uh, that you mentioned, um, he was a very, very unpopular figure uh, in Japan, which, uh, you know, leading up to the uh, Summer Olympics last year. Um, he angered many Japanese, Japanese public uh, and even some business leaders who were opposed to the Olympics. And um, I think Sally Jenkins of the Washington Post, the uh, uh, respected uh, sports columnist, longtime sports columnist there, um, coined the nickname Sir Von Ripoff, uh, which was actually a very, very uh, trendy topic amongst the uh, the Japanese media um, at that time. And, and we all know the story. The Olympics still took place. And uh, it wasn't what you call a rousing success by any standard, um, you know, because of the COVID cases. Um, there were obviously a lot of athletes who ended up getting COVID despite the um, efforts that were being put together by IOC and the, the Japanese government reassuring the uh, the participants. Um, so 
I see the uh, you know WTA taking more of a hardline stance, which I, I think is a great uh, message. And compare, considering what I just told you about IOC and the uh, Thomas Bach uh, personality, um, it doesn't really surprise me that uh, you know IOC is uh, uh, being somewhat of a you know uh, acting as a mouthpiece to uh, you know Chinese government right. when it comes to this situation. Um, and we're, I'm not speaking, you know, and, I, and, and Ken, obviously, I don't know about you, but I'm not just speaking as a, you know, just because I'm a Japanese uh, American or has somebody who has a family in Japan speaking out against, you know, China from a, you know, from a, you know, political or grandstand point. You know, it's just, a, I think it's a wrong thing to do. And, uh, you know, Asian countries historically, even in Japan, has had a very, very dubious distinction when it comes to uh, uh, equality uh, and an advancement when it comes to women. So silencing her in this kind of manner uh, does not help at all. And that, um, you know, there have been already talks that uh, maybe U.S. and other Western uh, nations aren't sending uh, delegates uh, to the uh, Winter Olympics as a form of, a, you know, um, a protest. You know, much like we saw with the, uh, you know, the uh, Cold War in the 70s with the, uh, you know, Soviet uh, Olympics in Soviet Union, uh, you know, uh, in those days. I'm sorry, my memory is unfortunately fuzzy in that regard. But, you know, these things have always happened, unfortunately. And, um, you know, if China doesn't, uh, uh, you know, misunderstand this and and quite frankly, obviously, they don't care. perhaps because they're obviously the number two uh, world economy in the world and they feel the need to uh, flex their muscles or um, act as if they can act whatever they want. You, you know, hopefully the, uh, the international community will band together and put more pressure because if she's not out there in public and if she's not speaking out on her terms, obviously these things means nothing at this point. Absolutely. And uh, of course, um, there have been calls for the Olympics to be postponed or moved. That's not going to happen because the IOC is firmly in bed with China at this point. Also, they're getting a billion do- billions of dollars from NBC to televise the Olympics, and no, they have a big stake in this. Too, yeah. So that's not going to happen. A lot of people call on NBC just to not broadcast the Olympics. That's not going to happen either. However, sure. the pressure to at least for the Olympic committee to start to speak out against China about Peng Shui would speak volumes. Um, We'll have to wait and see what's going on, but I applaud the WTA for its hardline stance and to say, look, show us Peng Shui, uh, show us some independently uh, verified video of her. Don't just have a conversation, uh, a controlled conversation uh, with Peng Shui saying that, she wants to be left alone or probably even denied what happened. Um, let's not let's let's uh, um, have some independent video. And, and so uh, certainly, hopefully we can get uh, some resolution to this because um, and maybe the WTA continues to uh, continues this hardline stance against China, because um, the only as, as I mentioned, the only way they listen is through money right now. And the WTA right. by threatening to pull out of China. That is that is speaking volumes, and they don't want that because they uh, they want to have uh, tennis uh, be played in China and continue to have those those tournaments that they have uh, in the in uh, all throughout uh, the, the the country. So we'll see what happens. 
Absolutely. You know, it's a similar thing that's happening globally, you know, when it comes to sports, you know, countries like China and, you know, Qatar, which hosts the 2022 Olympic, I'm sorry, um, World Cup next year um, in November, which is completely um, out of character, considering that the, um, you know, Olymp uh, World Cup uh, is being held every four years during the June and July when, you know, European soccer uh, is off and during that period because Qatar is notoriously hot, you know, especially in the summertime, uh, they kind of came to a compromise in November to do, do the show to the uh, entire tournament in November while the uh, European soccer just had started. So it's kind of um, weird. And, and we all know the human rights record in, in Qatar and the, uh, the workers who have, uh, immigrated have uh, many of them died uh, in the in the midst of construction, and then uh, recently uh, Greg Norman uh, teamed up with the uh, Saudi Arabia officials or government officials to start a brand new golf tournament. If you remember, uh, that's you know goes go against the uh, the PGA. Anybody who joins that tournament will automatically be banned from PGA from what I'm told. And Rory McIlroy, uh, the superstar, voiced uh, against the uh, the whole thing, obviously, not just the tournament itself, but more importantly, uh, Greg Norman teaming up with the uh, Saudi Arabia officials, which obviously drew uh, quite a rebuke from a superstar like McIlroy. So it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, you said that uh, communist China, obviously, even though it's communist, uh, they like money. And, and the money has kind of driven uh, the involvement of sports with the, um, you, know, uh, you know, countries like Qatar and Saudi Arabia that has, has a dubious record when it comes to uh, women rights, uh, human rights, and uh, equality. So... These are some of the topics that I think we should, uh, you know, m maybe bring in more experts, columnists or professors that I'm hoping to bring on uh, to explain more. Why is this happening? Uh, and, you know, who who's more involved in it and who's who's at fault for mm -hmm. some of these uh, dubious uh, uh, involvements going forward? Well, thinking out loud, uh, one person who is very good at this and has an Olympic uh expertise is Christine Brennan, who writes for the USA Today yes. and has and also uh, covers tennis quite a bit. So mm -hmm. uh, perhaps that's someone we can talk to in, in the next few weeks if the feng shui uh, situation still is in the news in the next couple of weeks. That's something that's I'm, I'm saying that out loud. So maybe planning <laughs> it here. So maybe that's something we can do. Absolutely. Um, Normally, we would be talking about the NFL in this segment, but uh, as we mentioned, we had two guests in the in the first two segments. We're going to have to reserve that for the next time we come on. Uh, mm -hmm. Steven, um, just want to wish – I just had my booster shot, by the way, earlier today. So, luckily, right. I didn't get wiped out. I still have, have a little bit of a sore arm, but mm -hmm. uh, I know that you're getting your booster as well. So, hopefully, <laughs> uh, we'll all be uh, fully immunized and, uh, and, and doing well uh, uh, through the holiday season. Thank you, Ken, and uh, I wish you, uh, you know, a happy Thanksgiving, uh, whatever you're doing. Uh, I'm still in the process of kind of sorting things out in my life right now, but uh, I will take uh, this time to uh, kind of uh, 
sort things out and uh, hopefully enjoy my uh, Thanksgiving as well. I appreciate you doing this show as always. And uh, we thank you for uh, listening to our show tonight. And by the way, um, we're always thankful for Stephen booking all these guests and doing the hard work and making the contact. So we really appreciate it. And of course, uh, our producer and director, Aldo, uh, who is behind the scenes, and we appreciate him as always. And uh, we're very thankful to him as well. Have a great Thanksgiving. We will see you in the next couple of weeks with a couple of more guests, hopefully. And uh, we'll see you then. I'm Ke- For Stephen Nagishi, I'm Ken Fang. This has been the Double A Team. Have a great holiday season. Thank you very much, folks. <laughs>